All right, so I'm very quickly going to do a short talk on creating a culture of accountability. What's been found is that some Harvard research was carried out and they found that 70% of change initiatives fail. That's quite scary. And if you look at the reasons why they fail, and I'm not going to go into all of them now, uh, there's powerful research that was carried out by a guy called John Cotter. He's an expert in change, uh, and he's got eight reasons why lasting change doesn't happen, all right? Um, so there's been research around all of this, and a lot of the reasons are actually to do with lack of accountability, lack of accountability. And to be honest with you, in a church setting, for example, and some NGO settings also, you find this happens a lot, right? Um, sometimes when you're doing, dealing with people who are volunteers, there's a side of us as leaders where we kind of like, you know, feel like, but we can't be too firm with people. People are doing this as a volunteer. They're not being paid to do this. You know, there's that mindset. But the principle still remains the same. Whether someone is doing something as a paid worker or they're doing it because they've made a commitment. You know, there are times when people are sloppy and you kind of feel like, you know what, if... If, you, if I knew you were going to be sloppy about it, I, I could have just done it. Or I could have found someone else to do it. Do you ever have that feeling? But what I want to say, and I really want to commend many of you here, is to just say, well done. To just say, I've seen pockets of excellence where people have done things so proactively and gone the extra mile. You know, and I just want to commend you guys. I mean, if I think of uh, what's happening with the healing team that has started up, you know, all I said to these guys, uh, Sister Chili, Harvey, and the team, I basically said, guys, we would like you to start going to hospitals and start doing visitations where you are praying for people and so on. And I gave them the contact details and I said, these are some of the people who are sick. These are the situations. I mean, Sister Chili just takes the whole thing to another level. Uh, Harvey creates this uh, group and... People are onto it, and they're so passionate about it. When they get the feedback, yes, thank you. All right, I've got space for two more people in my car. Okay, one more person now, and so on. And that's what we want to see. It's that type of leadership that says, we'll just get the job done. Boom, it's happening. All right? Um, I don't want to call out people in terms of like, yeah, but when it came to this situation, this person dropped the ball. Today isn't for that. All I'm just wanting to do is to celebrate you guys. Amen. All right, so let's talk about why we need accountability. I want to share with you a few principles. How do you create that culture of accountability? You can use these principles in your workplace. Those of you who are leading teams, I know some of you who are leading teams in the workplace, you take some of the material from here um, that you get for free and you uh, download it to your people. That's why we do it. That's why we have these sessions. Okay, it's for us, but it's also for out there. And go and shine and become these awesome, amazing leaders. So, number one, agreed upon targets, priorities, and goals. In your area of leadership, ask yourself, do we have agreed upon targets, priorities, and goals? Often when I coach on this, people will say, you know what? We've got goals. We know the big picture. But our problem is we don't know what the priority for this month is. Have you noticed that? Very often that's what happens in teams. Yes, we had that stress session six months ago. And then you ask for the strategic planning document. 
and guys are now scrambling, scratching around, looking for it, looking for it. And they've got about three or four of those documents, right? With dust on them and so on, right? And they say, yes, we've got goals. Yes, we've identified targets. But if we can be honest with you, Paul, we don't know what the priority is for these next few months. Many people come to me and say, Paul, you know what? The problem with my boss is it feels like everything is urgent. I mean, if you are in workplaces where you feel like that, it's like everything is urgent. Everything is on a hundred. One of the roles of leaders and leadership is to say, this is what's important right now this month. And we all, we're going to have all hands on deck focusing on this particular thing. As opposed to, we don't know. Everything seems to be urgent. So I want to ask you, in your area, and there's some volunteers here, right? You're not heading up a team, you, you're reporting to someone, or you're a 2IC, or you're serving in an area. I want to ask you, are the targets clear? Are the goals clear? And are the priorities clear? Even with small groups, we've got small group leaders here tonight. Are the targets clear? The priorities clear? The goals clear? And what's powerful about this, you can actually apply it to your own household your own families, where you can say, as the Banda family, are we clear about our mission as a family? Are we clear about targets, priorities, and goals? When this is clear, accountability just goes up. And don't be afraid to have the hard questions, because I'm hoping that from here, you guys will go off in your teams, right? At a certain point, your leaders should be having team meetings, not just straight after church and so on, but having lunches. There's budget for that kind of thing. We'll make the money available. Don't worry about the cash, right? Saying we're having lunch as, a, as the youth leadership, all right? Um, by the way, um, uh, Pastor Taffy, today when I was at, you know, down the road, I think I gave you the feedback. You're on the group and so on. Guys were just like, we want to know about the youth. We want to know about the youth. Imagine it was like 600 high school students or over 600. They came to me afterwards and they were just like, we want more information. We might, do you guys have youth rallies? Do you guys have, um, youth things happening and so on? It's very exciting. So I'm hoping that it trickles through to you. All right. Um, <clears throat> So have meetings with your people, okay? This is more to inspire and to equip, but in your sub-teams, you should be looking for people, saying, I want to build my team. I've noticed this person, they're very friendly, very open. They should be part of hospitality. This one loves baking and so on. They should be part of hospitality. And you rope them in, and then when you're together with them and you meet, you have a lunch, the spur, wherever it is, these are the things we should be talking about. It's in, it ignites accountability. Right? The second one, progress and results are visible. How many of you in your workplace work with dashboards? You know, when it comes to progress and so on. Some of you are in construction. Some of you are in mining. You do that. How many of us do that in a church setting? Guys, if we want to be world class, it's funny talking about world class church. What is world class? Kingdom class, whatever you want to call it. If we want to take things to another level, we must have dashboards. You see, it needs to be visible. You know, the people in the healing team, that's a new team that has just started and it's exciting. There should be a thing, there should be stats, right? Testimonies. It shouldn't be me asking for those particular testimonies. When people are being healed, it's not just about praying for the sick. It's about literally saying, wait a minute, we, we, we've got this person and their job is to take people's testimonies. We had amazing, we had notable miracles taking place at Ignite. And often I think to myself, some of the churches that become very strong in the healing ministry, it's partly because they're strong when it comes to testimony. 
And for me, I kind of feel we've been weak in that area in terms of recording some of the stuff that happens. Because sometimes I'm up here, I might be praying for someone, and I'm actually thinking to myself, where are the multimedia guys? I'm now bringing my gripes, right? We said today we're focusing on frustrations, areas that we need support in, okay? I'm thinking, where are the guys who are taking photos of this? Where's the camera guy who's, who's going to come and actually capture this? Especially at Ignite. And what I'm noticing is with Ignite, because it's one of those meetings we have and not everyone is here, but I'm thinking to myself, this is the one time we have extended worship. And that's where there's time to literally, you know, have healing lines and things like that. And how, look how God pitched up. Look with the lady where she just said, I can see, I can see, I can see. She couldn't see before. Do you remember, she was looking at Kathy Bender here, and she was standing here, and she was basically saying, it's as if my eyelashes are over my eyes. I can't see, I can't see. Right? <clears throat> and so we're seeing God moving powerfully, but it's not just healing team. Can you see? There's an administrator who's noting down, this is the miracle, who will go to the person afterwards and actually say, what happened? What was your condition before? What was your condition afterwards? And then people will see that God moves powerfully in word-based churches. Because otherwise people just think, ah, let's go to, I have to be careful what I call it, but let's, let's go to those other places. That's where the miracles happen. And, and lots of stuff has happened here. You see, imagine when these testimonies, we had, we've had powerful testimonies more recently, and we do little clips of them, and then it's there, it's out on YouTube, and people can see God's glory, and he gets the glory. Right? So, think of your specific area, and my question is, is the progress and the results visible? Do you know what happens? When you're working with some kind of dashboard and so on, at any given time, whoever you report to, whoever's in the team, and yourself as the leader of the team, any given time, you can actually go and you look and you say, sure, this has been great. God is moving. You know, this last month we've seen six notable miracles. Oh, now it's April. Sure. Isn't it interesting? 18. Oh, now it's May. Oh, isn't it interesting? 36. And, we, and we're actually measuring our progress. Right? I've noticed Harvey does that really well for the stuff he does, for his, his miracles that he does and so on. And then you'll say, you know, okay, this many people were healed. This, and you'll send me the updates. Because he's Mr. He likes stats. He likes numbers and so on. But I'm saying, how can we take it to another level? Does that make sense? Because there'll be many people praying for the sick, doing things, and, and we record it. I'm just using that as an example. I hadn't planned to, but it just came out of me. Must be the Holy Spirit, right? Um, so progress and results are visible. Then the people who are working on the particular things, there's that accountability. It's like at any given moment in time, we can have a look. Guys, this is the same for small groups. At any given moment in time, we should be able to say, how many people are in your group? How many people are you planning to invite? How many people on that list, they haven't yet come, but you're hoping that they'll come? It's like a dashboard. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you look in scripture, there's so much mention of measuring what God was doing. If you look in the book of Acts, how do they know that 3,000 were added on that particular day? They counted them. And we must always read scripture in context. Because some people then say, ah, oh, but remember when God was upset with, um, with David. Because David counted the people. 
But the deep thing there was that he counted the people because he was trusting in horses and chariots and people instead of trusting in the Lord. Okay? That's the context there. New Testament, they would count, they would see this many were added. This is what God is doing. The disciples multiplied. Okay? And it creates accountability. Otherwise, we can con ourselves thinking we're making progress, but we're not making progress. We need to know how many people left the church last year. We need to have those stats. When I, when I ask people and I say, so can you give us numbers? Because we're counting. Sometimes I don't get the numbers. And sometimes it's kind of like, yeah, I know the church was full last Sunday. Yeah, it was quite full. And you kind of go by your gut. So I know counting is happening, but it doesn't always get to me. Sometimes we have seasons where I find stats are coming to me, stats are coming to me. And it's like, okay, let's just flow. The Holy Spirit will help us. Okay? So what happens is when progress and results are visible, there's no surprise about the results or the consequences. So when you're leading a team, if you want to create a culture of accountability, it must be clear, these are the consequences of me messing up. If someone is in band and consistently they're singing flat, they must know right now that this is what Pastor Stuart Bishop will say to me. They understand the consequences. They know he'll come and he'll say, you need a bit more training. He'll come, he'll give me feedback. He'll come and he'll say, you know what? You're not working on A, B, C, D. Just chill a little bit until you work on your craft. I think you're relaxing too much. It must be clear. And, and if you notice, we don't do that in churches, do we? Because churches, we all love each other. And we all love each other. But we love each other into mediocrity. Okay? So... We, must, we, mustn't be, we won't be surprised about the results or the consequences. We're not surprised. Oh, what happened, guys? We know. Role clarity. Role clarity. When it's clear this person is responsible for hospitality, what does that do? When it's clear this person is responsible for resources, what does that do? It creates a, an accountability. There's no haziness like, is it Tendai or is it not Tendai? You know, is it sip? Are we not too sure? Have you noticed sometimes in certain settings, when we're not too sure who's leading something or who's in charge, then no one does it, and everyone gets away with it. Okay? So it's important to have role clarity. The mistake a lot of teams make is there's role ambiguity. I don't quite know. Where does Paul end? Where does Juan begin? Where does Juan end? Where does Taffy begin? Okay? So it needs to be clear who's in charge of what, who's accountable. When, when, when the ball is dropped, who do I go to? Right? Role clarity. And with role clarity, you then can manage expectations. You can manage expectations. Okay? What's interesting about this is often in organizations, there's scope creep. Do you ever have it? Some of you in IT, you know what I'm talking about. You ask to do a particular thing, and then what happens after a while? They say, can you come and help us? Then you start helping them. Two weeks later, so how far are we? Oh, I don't know if it was my responsibility. Oh, we're here, here, here. Three weeks later, so what are the next steps? Oh, I didn't know I'm now in charge. Right? It's hazy. So when we talk about role clarity, we're talking about what do you do, but we're also talking about your sphere of authority. Your sphere of authority. There are things, working with Sunera has been wonderful, right? She's literally 
coordinated the Joburg church plant, right? And what is interesting is it's clear what the roles are. It's very, very clear, right? She knows she can identify certain things if we have to purchase certain things. She knows that I'll then authorize them. She releases the payment. Uh, when it comes to design work and so on, she'll check out certain things. She'll know to say, Pastor Vim, Pastor Paul, are you guys cool with this? It's clear. And when roles are clear, it's easy to work with. Ask yourself, in your team, is it clear? The other thing is trust. Trust. That actually helps to build accountability. Ask yourself, is this true of your team? We trust each other to deliver. You know those people where you can ask them to do something and you go to sleep? You go to sleep nice and peacefully. There are other people you ask them to do something and you know you have to have a plan B. Like some people in church settings, that's their reputation. You have to have a plan B. Right? There are other people. I know nowadays with Sipo, it's easy working with Sipo. Sipo has gone to another level. He's behind the thing there. He's doing the, he's, uh, well, he's chilling behind the thing. Because I thought I was controlling the thing by my clicker. But anyway, that's where he's sitting. But the thing is, it's easy. It's nice working with Sipo. Because his yes is yes, his no is no. It's clear, you know. Today I said, oh, Sipo, I'm going to be at Gibbs from 3 to 5. Uh, you, you need a, a lift from, from Josie. You know, I can give you a lift. Cool, 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 quick decision. Yes, Pastor Paul, I'll be there by 5. I'll make sure I'm at Gibbs by 5. I didn't even halfway through have to, Sipo, are we still on? Sipo, is this still happening? This is just how he is nowadays. Um, it's easy. It's like, I knew. I knew like I knew like I knew. I would get out of my classroom. I was a few minutes late. I knew that by reception, I would look around at the seats where I said he must sit. And I knew Sipo was there. Consistency. Okay? So we trust each other to deliver. The people you are working with, do you trust each other to deliver? Do people trust you to deliver? I don't have to say, ah, Pastor Tuffy, so I just wanted to triple check. Are you meeting with the youth this, uh, on Friday? I just wanted to double check. It's a passion of his. I must say something was ignited to me today when you've got like over 600 youth just in front of you. The guys were just raving about, about what was going on. Afterwards, they just crowded around me. They were like, so tell us about this. Tell about this. Tell about this. Do you have youth rallies? Do you have? And I realized, Phew, we, need to, we need to do something with that generation. They're so passionate. One of the girls comes to me. She's, I don't know, grade 10 or something. She says, I, I see that you've written books and so on. I just want to know like, how to go about it because I've, I'm also writing and I've written a book and so on. Something she's going to talk about, some funky novel or something. I said, what type of book? She says, well, it's got a religious theme on it. It's like a devotional and it covers this. I'm like, oh, there's something strong here. There's something strong here. All right. We trust each other to deliver. We ask for help when we're off course. There's some people who struggle asking for help, eh? Because for them, it's a sign of weakness. Guys, if that's you, please ask God to deliver you from that. We're all learning. We're all learning. And we need each other. The sign of maturity is interdependence. Not independence. Independent doesn't mean you're mature. Interdependence. I'll help you where I'm strong, but you help me where I'm weak. Okay? So... 
The people on your team, are they asking for help when they're off course? Do they trust you enough to say, I need help? Very important. Everyone has tools and is empowered. If you're in a space right now where you feel like we want to do A, B, C, D, but we don't have the tools, we don't have the resources, then speak to whoever heads up your area, speak to me and say, listen, this is what we need. If you're the kind of person who's heading up an area, but you're not good at enrolling others, that's a leadership quality, to grow your area because you need help, then ask us and we can recruit people for you. We can do that. Okay? There's regular rhythm of reviewing and tracking. So in other words, we have regular meetings, and in those meetings we have debriefs, where we actually sit down and we say, okay, how are we going? How are we doing? In our family, I like having family talks, where I feel like I'm, I'm the dad, you know? I, I, I'm like, guys, we need to talk. And my wife likes that side of me. She likes me when I'm very red with the kids, you know? Very like, like, you know? I'm like, okay, guys, enough is enough. Everyone sit down. Jaden, listen. Guys, stop talking. Oh. And then we start. Okay, your review meetings don't have to be like that, okay? But the point I'm making is great teams that are strong in accountability, there's regular rhythm and reviewing and tracking. Okay? One of the areas I've been weak in, partly because we've got great, um, we've got great leaders in terms of small groups and so on. When we started these monthly meetings, we started them initially for the small group leaders. Do you remember that, guys? And we said, cool, let's do small group leader training. Let's talk about it. Then afterwards, we exhausted that. Then we were like, okay, let's now do leadership, broader leadership. And there's so much to cover. And I realized after some time that, oh, you know what? I need, to, I need to look after my small group leaders. I need to be finding out, how are you guys doing? How's everything going? So we have to have regular reviewing and tracking. Crucial. Of every area. And after doing a big event, after even doing a Sunday event, it's good to actually have a post-mortem. Because feedback is best when it's straight after the event, when it's fresh. If we're now saying, ah, you guys, yeah, remember with social media, how you did it. I think it was, was it early Jan, that time? People have forgotten. People have forgotten. Right? I was talking to Stuart just now, and I was just, uh, we were just giving, saying that with the, with the worship, it sounds so great. Worship on Sunday was powerful for us here, when we're here. And it's also really great for the people who listen via the live feed. But, the, but it comes through differently. It's not the same sound that we hear here. Okay, and what we did was, again, uh, Sipo was on the ball. I just said, can we extract the recording of the worship so that we can send it to the band guys? Stuart is game. He's like, can you have it to me by Friday? Because we've got band practice on Friday, so it'll be great if the guys have listened to themselves and then they can actually reflect how do we sound, not just here, but how do we sound for the guys in Switzerland listening or the guys this week, the Joba crowd was flowing. Okay, And they enjoy the worship, and our worship is wonderful, but we always want to take things to another level. right? So it's powerful always listening to yourself. right? I listen to myself. I'll listen to some of my sermons. I've got certain bad habits that I want, I want to tweak out. You know, I remember some time ago I would say amen too much. Amen? 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 I remember Pastor Bill Scheidler just gave me direct feedback. Yeah, one of your weaknesses, Paul, is you say amen too much. You know? And I thought, okay, let me tone down on that a little bit. And sometimes my wife will give me feedback and she'll say, you say this too much or this too much. That's not all she says, okay? It's like, she says a lot of cool stuff, but she said that. So we all, we're learning. 
and we want to grow. But it only happens when we are doing this regular rhythm of reviewing and tracking. Post-mortems, feedback. Ha, feedback. <laughs> All right. If you want to increase the accountability in your team and you want to create a culture of accountability, there has to be a culture of feedback. And I'm not going to give you the feedback tools now tonight because we want, I want to go into the, 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 the discussions uh, quickly. But here's the key thing. Are you comfortable giving feedback? Some of you, and you know who you are, when you started leading your teams, you struggled giving feedback. Some of you still struggle, right? Giving feedback to people. Sometimes that's the best gift you can give someone, direct feedback. And are you open to receiving feedback? Guys, in a setting like this, we can't be too sensitive. We can't be too sensitive. Please, don't take things personally. Can we make that commitment as leaders? Don't take things personally. If someone gives you feedback, see it as a learning opportunity. I want to grow. Right? I want to become better. But I think most of us here, there's a lot of maturity in the room. I mean, I'm looking around. I can see I, I, there's a lot of maturity. So I think we're generally okay for the most part. Maybe 75% somewhere there. <laughs> and then also don't be the kind of person where the only time you talk to someone is when you're giving them negative feedback. I, that, sometimes that's the engineer mindset. People who are engineers. Okay? Not mentioning any names. But sometimes people who are engineers, Lanston, why are you smiling like that? <laughs> Lanston is the mining engineer. Anyway, but with a number of people, you see, with engineers and also auditors, auditors. But you guys aren't like that. <laughs> Some people have been trained to spot the blips. So they're very attracted to problems and they see where there's a problem because they like fixing them. And it makes them good engineers and makes them good auditors. But when it comes to managing people, guys, you can't do that. I was with the guys at Murray and Robertson a number of years ago, and I challenged them on that. And I said, you guys, just managers, leaders, and I said, you guys, I want you to start a new management practice. I want you to try to catch people when they're doing the right thing. And when you start off your day and you're preparing for work, say to yourself, I want to try and catch someone doing the right thing today. And when you see them doing the right thing, I'd like you to celebrate it. Because people always gravitate to where they're celebrated, not where they're tolerated. There's a place for constructive feedback, and we must do it. And I've just emphasized that. But I'm saying don't be known for that. Okay? The way human beings work, for every cold prickly you give someone, you must be giving them eight warm fuzzies. So before you give someone feedback and you're correcting them, ask yourself, What's this relationship characterized by? When was the last time I complimented the person? I'm not talking about in one sitting. I'm not saying you must, you must say, hey, nice, nice trousers, um, nice pair of trousers, Juan, nice shoes, nice smile, nice haircut, and say eight nice things. Then you say, but, I'm not saying that. I'm saying if I have to give Juan some feedback, the nature of the relationship must be characterized so that it's eight to one. Otherwise, people feel beaten down, beat down, you know? Okay? Core values. These must be clear. Here's my question. In your team, do you have visible core values? Are they shared and are they understood? If you're a leader of a team, 
Loazi with ushering. Loazi has got very distinct core values. If you speak to him, he's very clear. There are things he likes, things he doesn't like. We all know Loazi, right? When it, ranging from his food, eating, it's clear, clear, clear. There's no middle ground, right? Here's my question. The core values that you have, does everyone understand them? If you're a leader, the people around you should understand them. If you're strong on timekeeping and you've got expectations around that, does your team know that? Do they know the things that irritate you? Do they know your non-negotiables? That's important. Are those values visible? Because sometimes you speak to leaders and it's like, yeah, this, 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 this. These are my principles, Paul. And then you say, does everyone know them? All the people that report to you. You go to organizations, CEO, very clear. His exco, very clear. But the big complaint is, but Paul, if you go to the people on the ground, I'm not too sure if this message trickles down. It must be clear. In this church, it must be clear. What do we do when someone does certain dodgy things? How is it addressed? Are we consistent in how we apply that? I'm just saying dodgy things, you know, then you can fill in the blank, right? Because that's not my main point. <laughs> okay? Personal development and continuous improvement. If we want a culture of accountability to really be built up in this church, everyone must be having that heart that says, I want to grow. I want to become better. I want my department to go from good to great. Everyone. If you are part of security, I want that to go from good to great. If you are part of children's ministry, we want to improve. That's one of Sunera's strengths. You know, even as a consultant in the work that she, she, she does in the corporate world, it was very much that continuous improvement. How can we grow? How can we get better? Where the pro That's why she likes to see where the problems are so she can fix them. Okay? And then finally, cross-functional teamwork. Cross-functional teamwork. This is critical, guys. What we've seen happening in the church is that some people are just focused on their department. It's like with, with these blinkers. It's like as long as things go well, as long as they're... No. It's about the whole, isn't it? It's about the whole. And there's a concept called boundary-spanning leadership. Boundary-spanning leadership, where you lead across boundaries. Because I can tell you right now, if things aren't working in children's ministry, it will affect youth. If the children's teachers, the Go Kids teachers, are not happy, it will affect other parts of what's going on. If hospitality isn't strong, you know, in terms of being proactive about uh, food and all those types of things, if it's not strong, it will affect other events. Okay? You know that there's certain meetings that we have where it shouldn't just be you and the people from your department, where it should actually be everyone all together. The band guys know this because there'll be many band meetings where they'll probably be saying, yeah, we can do this, but the sound needs to work better. Yes, we can do this, but it needs to be recorded nicer. There's no point me spending time preparing messages and so on, but if our recording quality isn't great, it affects it. Now with Nikki coming on board in terms of social media and what's happening and so on, have you seen it's gone to another level? But you'll notice that Nikki's interaction, it won't just be with the social media people. She'll be talking, speaking to people. Okay, what's the budget like? Speaking to the people. Okay, um, can you send us quotes, please? The quotes that you see that we post, someone has to actually go through their message and actually pull out quotes. 
So it's not just about social media. It's about working with the sound guys so that the quality is great. Working with the video guys. Working with uh, the people who've preached the messages, the teachers of the word. Cross-functional teamwork. And what I've seen in organizations is that some of the best teams are the ones where when they have a team meeting, they say, we shouldn't just be meeting just us. We should actually be roping in this team, this team, and this team. And let's have the meeting now. What's the point of having meetings? I'm sure you've seen this before. Where you have a meeting, and every second word you're talking about another department. You're like, oh, oh okay, yeah. Okay, so I'll ask him tomorrow. Yeah, I'll speak to him. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll speak to them. Okay, I'll check with the warehouse guys. And I'm saying, why don't you have all those people in that meeting? If you had planned better, you could have people from those different areas. If we apply these principles, guys, we'll be strong in information sharing. There'll be no silo mentality. And we'll be able to lead across boundaries. And with all of this, we'll create a culture of accountability. Do you think you can use these principles? Can apply them? Guys, let's apply them here in church. Here in church. Here in church. And then we move from here. We apply them in the workplace. Extremely powerful. Okay.